Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our very first podcast. We've been working diligently over the last couple of months to get everything prepped and ready to go. And here we are. Today, we're just going to jump right in. We're not going to do any of the introductions because we hope you follow along and you get to know us along the way. So today we're talking about the emotional Richter scale. And this is actually something that Tim has coined. And I use it with a lot of my clients to talk about how to deal with emotions and stress and how it really affects us. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what the Richter scale is, it's basically a way to evaluate how much power an earthquake releases when it hits. Now, uh, level one, so it's it's on a scale of one to ten. So a level one is a very small earthquake. If a level one hit, you would hardly even notice or register that it was hitting. Now, a two is ten times the strength of a level one, but ten times of almost nothing is still basically almost nothing. And so when you add in that level of intensity, it barely increases on the register. You're barely noticing anything in your own everyday life. Now, a three is a pretty decent-sized earthquake. You'd feel that. If you'd never experienced an earthquake, it might make you nervous, but if you live in some place like California where earthquakes like that happen fairly frequently, it wouldn't make you nervous at all. It's not very scary. A four is ten times the power of a three. Now, a four, you're starting to register and notice that. Um, if you're a little bit newer in like the California area, you might be getting a little bit nervous, but if you've been here a long time, a four still wouldn't make you very nervous. Now, five is a decent-sized earthquake. Even native Californians, if a five hit, would start considering getting in a door jam or jumping under a table. Now, a six is a pretty good-sized earthquake. Uh, it would make basically anybody a little bit uncomfortable. It would be some pretty heavy amounts of uh, shaking and rocking and rolling. And a seven is a large earthquake. A seven is what leveled Haiti a couple of years ago. Now, if you are struggling, uh, you have trauma, and a level seven earthquake in your life could absolutely devastate you. Now, an eight is a obviously, again, ten times more powerful but an eight leveled Chile a couple years after the Haiti incident. Now, Chile is a much more modern country than Haiti is, and they still struggled with that. A nine leveled San Francisco 100 years ago, and then they say a 10 is so powerful that if it ever hit, that it would actually make the Earth's crust ring from all of the intensity of that. Now, when you're going through your life, you're, you're dealing with stressors all the time on a frequent basis. Right. So ones and twos happen all the time around us, right? And we don't even really notice them or feel them. But once you get to three and four, you kind of notice like something's a little off. Uh, fives and sixes, maybe you're like telling people, I just, I feel a little stressed or I have so much to do. And then six, sevens are pretty significant, but eights and nines, you can really feel it. And that's when you begin to really feel overwhelmed, maybe even hopeless at times. There is a comic that I saw recently, and is it's a picture of the heart. And it's walking along, and it has on its back a, it just says stress. And then on top of that, then you add trauma. And then on top of that, you add a pandemic. Or on top of that, you add, you know, a death in the family. On top of that, financial. So you can imagine that your heart is walking along and he's carrying all the stuff on his back. And then all of a sudden in the, there's a little like crack step up road. or crack in the road and he trips on that. And the brain says, are you, aren't you overreacting or isn't, isn't that kind of extreme? And in reality, that's how we feel is that one little crack in the road. We feel like that's what kind of set everything off, but it wasn't really that that wasn't the issue. 
So if you just had maybe your car breakdown, maybe that's like a three or four and you're like, oh, that's kind of frustrating, right? But then on top of that, you have multiple deaths. On top of that, you have financial stressors. On top of that, you have just everyday, maybe school or work or life. And then your child spills a glass of orange juice. And then you just kind of lose it or you're like, what in the world? And you are just crying on the side or you're frustrated. And you think like, it's just a glass of orange juice. Why am I reacting so bad to this? Right, right. Because it's not just a glass of orange juice. It's everything in the background that people around you may look at like and think like, man, she's really overreacting. But it's because you have everything on your plate. And so what can we do about that? How can we kind of remedy that? What I want you to do is I want you to do a brain dump. I want you to sit down and write down everything that is on your plate. This is to-dos, stressors, stuff around the house, relationship conflicts, and just sit down and write everything. So I need to make this dentist appointment. You know, all those little things that are just like in the back of your mind where you remember it in the middle of the night, you're like, oh yeah, and I also have to do this and I have to bring the car in to fix the AC and I have to do this. All those to-dos add up. So you're going to write all those down Then you're going to write any other stressors that you're experiencing, financial difficulties, maybe past traumas that kind of just keep coming to your mind, just things in your life that aren't going well. And then relationship stressors or conflicts. So maybe you have a family member that you are consistently butting heads with and you're just having a difficult time. So you're going to write everything down. And I do this often in session and I recognize that my clients look at the list and they are just like, huh, I didn't realize I had so much on my plate. And so when you look at it, then you can kind of give yourself a little grace and see I had a lot more going on and not just at a two or three, right? I'm not just, it wasn't just this crack in the road or the orange juice. Look at everything that's on my plate. And one thing too to consider is that just because you may even look at your plate and you may see like, maybe there, it doesn't seem like there's that much on there. Why am I really struggling here? And a part of that is because you may have unresolved things from your past that are making everything from today more difficult. So I think a lot of times people conceptualize and they think about their stressors and what's going on in their life. They think about the present time, what's happening now today that is affecting me. But realistically, that's not all that goes into how we feel about today. So if you have lots of past trauma, if you had like a pathological parenting or just like uh, horrific life experiences that have gone on and you haven't gotten worked on on those things, those things are actually enhancing and injecting more fuel and energy into how you feel about activities from yeah. today. It's almost like you're on high alert all the time. And so instead of being at a baseline of one or two, you're just consistently at a four or five. And then all these other stressors are adding on to that. And so that goes back to what we were talking about with this emotional Richter scale, right? And so if you've got some of this past trauma and that trauma is causing you to start off your day just walking around at a four and a couple of additional stressors jump into your life, you're quickly sitting at a six versus somebody else. They go from a zero to a two, which a two, again, on the Richter scale is hardly noticeable. It's very, very small. But a six is pretty substantial and very uncomfortable. And so you can have the exact same negative events as somebody else, but you may be struggling more. But it's because you're starting off at a higher level because of maybe unresolved things in your past. And so as you keep stepping up that scale, you may stop and think like, man, maybe I don't even have anything I can see that I can take off of my plate. One is you might need to go get some EMDR work done. So Ruth and I, we're both EMDR therapists, and that's a way to go back in and resolve past hurts and traumas that have happened to you. 
But the other thing, too, is that there can be very, very small things that you can take off your plate that can give you pretty immense and impressive gains. And so just a, a couple weeks ago, Ruth had asked me to uh, be on my phone a little bit less when we were spending time together or when the kids were around. And so I said, OK, fair enough. I have been spending a lot of time on my phone. And so I dedicated portions of the day where I'm just not going to be on the phone at all. So now the morning routine is I wake up, have my cup of coffee, we do our workout, we do the kids homeschool. And then after that, maybe I'll get on my phone for a little bit. And then I'll go to work. And when I come home, then after I come home, Ruth and I, we like to spend some time together watching like a show or something. And during that time, I'll take my phone, I'll put it in the other room. So I'm not uh, on my phone at all. And what I came to realize over the last couple weeks of doing that is that being on my phone, as much as I felt like it was kind of like an escape or a place to unwind, it really wasn't making me calmer. It was actually stressing me out, but just kind of very slightly, gradually over time, and it ended up becoming quite stressful. And then now that I'm off it, I can I kind of start, I have a theory as to why that is. And so what I think is going on is we're getting, us as a society, because everyone's on their phone probably too much, but we end up getting what's called decision fatigue. And what that is, is Every time you make a decision, it's requiring some of your mental energies. As you're scrolling on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something like that, you are making thousands of micro decisions every day on social media. If you're going to, is this post interesting enough to read? Okay, I am going to read it. Okay, how do I feel about that? Okay, well, that's kind of a controversial post. I'm curious, what, what do other people say about that? Okay, what's this? Oh, I see this argument and that argument. Okay. And so every time you're deciding, even just to scroll, it's a decision that you've made or to like or something like that. You're making decisions and you're just making so many in a day, it gets very exhausting. And so here's an example, like presidents or CEOs of large companies and things like that. They oftentimes will have basically 15 identical suits. And the reason why they have 15 identical suits is to take one decision off of their plate so that they can make a decision about something more important later and not be fatigued at that point. So it's just this identical suit and tie, the exact same thing, but they have the same one all over again. When I got off that, I realized, oh man, okay, I really am stressing myself out a lot. Not being on there has helped a lot. So if you think like, man, there's not even anything on my plate I could take off, you could take off some time from your phone and put it away. And like I said, just sitting down watching a TV show, became more relaxing and pleasurable to me than it was before. Right. And it was so cool to be able to see the difference in Tim and even in our kids. In the morning when he has his coffee, instead of scrolling, like he's active, he's present with the kids. And so they're like jumping all over him or they're talking to him and making jokes. They're like, Dad, watch this, you know. And it's been really cool to see how it hasn't just affected Tim, but it's affected our family as a whole unit. And it's just... um interesting to see how not just stressors can affect it, but the joy that people have can also affect the people around you, right? So you want to look at what you can control and you want to take that off your plate. So you're going to look at that list of things that you have and you're going to break it into little pieces. From that list, what can I do or what am I going to do today? Another category, you're going to write a list of what am I doing today? What am I going to do this week? And then what can I do this month? And some of those other things you're going to have in a separate list of like the trauma, maybe ongoing family conflict of things that isn't necessarily a timeline thing, but you can put it on your timeline as like this month I'm going to call and meet your therapist or this month I'm going to um, contact my mom and have a discussion. But overall, you want to look at like, what can I do today to really take things off? Because just like we were talking about, that it increases 
each time you add something on your plate or you go up a level, if you can take these things off your plate, you're going to see a dramatic decrease in your stressors and emotions. And so anything that you can do to kind of change that you want to take. And that's like little things that you've been procrastinating on. A lot of times it's those little things that just add up. Like, oh, I have to do the dentist. Everything we've talked about before, right? The dentist, the car, I got to do this and this. It's all those little things that really weigh heavy on us over time because we know like we have so much to do and we're overwhelmed rather than just writing it down, looking at it and saying, I'm going to cut these out today. I'm going to take care of this and get it done the first thing in the morning. Go through and say, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this this week, right? So then tomorrow I'm going to work on this. And you're breaking it down and get those hard things out of the way right away. Just make the call. Just do it. Mel Robbins has a great video and she talks about like five, counting backwards, five, four, three, two, one, do it. Like you just have to get up and you make the decision. Right. You just just do it. it. Otherwise you keep allowing yourself to get out of that. Like five, four, three, two, one, go. And you still sit on the couch. Right. Or you're like, okay, let me try it again. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And then after you've already made that initial thing to bow out of that, then you're you're just giving yourself more leeway. And I that, that used to happen a lot. I don't do that so much anymore, but I would tell Tim, gosh, I have so much to do. And I'd lay down on the bed and he's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Because he's a, he's a go-getter. He's an action person. He's like, I have so much to do. This is where I'm going to start. And he goes to get it where I'm like, I have so much to do. And I'm so overwhelmed. And I just sit down and I do nothing. Here's actually this is a really interesting thing about procrastination is that it starts off, we procrastinate because we're stressed. But as we procrastinate, it's a vicious cycle. Mm. It increases and it enhances our stress level. And so as much as it may feel stressful to get up and go do the thing that you need to now do, you get to know that later on, if I do this, then, okay, I'm going to be much less stressed. It, it actually reminds me of a company I used to work at. We would see our clients and every client you would see, we'd have about a page of documentation that I would have to write for each client. And so I would see somewhere in the range of 15 to 20 a week. And so it could be upwards of like 60 to 80 pages I would have to write for a month. Now, at that company, we would be able to kind of push off our documentation, at least at the beginning when I worked there, up to a month. And so 80 pages, if I procrastinated, I would have to write. Now, it was a chronic problem. It'd be Friday evening. It's one of the last uh, days of the month. And everybody's in the office frantically running around trying to type up their documentation and get it all turned in before the system kind of locks you out and you're not able to do it. And I remember at one point I was just thinking, I, I can't I can't do this anymore. I just I can't stand struggling like this and just anticipating this awful couple of days coming up. And so I made this commitment to myself, not to anybody, it was just to myself. I was like, I, no matter how long my day is, I'm going to do all of the documentation for all of the clients I saw that day, no matter what. And so some days I'd have really hard, long days and I'd have lots of notes. I'd, so I'd sometimes see eight clients a day. That's eight pages I have to write for all those clients. And it would be frustrating and tiring. And I just want to go and kick my feet up at the end of the day. But I made this commitment to myself, no, I'm not going to do that. And so then it was uh, coming along to the end of the month. I'd been diligently doing all of my paperwork and I'm sitting in the office just kind of waiting for the clock to hit five so I can go home and I'm sitting there and all of my colleagues are frantically typing away, trying to get all their documentation in. And I have this little Dixie cup of water. I can remember this vividly. I'm mm-hmm. sitting in my chair and just kind of leaning back and my supervisor comes in and she's like, Tim, don't you have any documentation to be doing? And I just look at her. I'm like, nope. 
And I could just hear a collective sigh from everybody else in the office <laughs> being jealous that I didn't have paperwork and they were all frantically trying to get, you know, maybe they had another 15, 20 pages they had to write and I had nothing. And that was so alleviating to me and actually it taught me another lesson on top of that. When I was putting off that work, Sometimes I do it on the weekend, which was awful because I wasn't getting paid for it on the weekend. But then sometimes I'd be like, no, I'll just, okay, I'll do it on Monday. But what I didn't realize until I actually started being proactive with it was that it was stealing my joy from the weekend. Even if I had made the mental commitment in my mind, I'm not going to work on it. And so it would drive me batty. And then I, when I actually finished all my paperwork ahead of time, then when it came to the weekend, I truly was able to relax at that point. Yeah, so that's definitely something that you can control. And so getting things done right away and not letting it pile up and build up. And then if you are at the point where you are at build up and you're at six, seven, eight, right on the Richter scale, then just start taking things off your plate. And that was, that's kind of the whole point of this is as much as it increases with these stressors, if you can take things off your plate, you can be in control of it and decrease it. And then the things that you can't take off your plate and you cannot control, you'll be able to manage those things better. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on our very first podcast. We hope that the information that we brought you today will be helpful for you, and we hope to help you on a journey to more mental health. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.